Welcome to this edition of the John Papaloni Show. Today I have Sam Perez as our guest. Welcome, Sam, to the show. Awesome, John. Thank you so much. Absolute pleasure. It's a delight to have you here. I'd like to start off every show with a uh, bio of who you are, what you do, and how you got there. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my name is Sam, and I am a television news journalist. So I love telling stories, and uh, I've had that passion since middle school. Um, and because of that, I I have met some really incredible people, and that is, um, you know, all over all areas of my life, but particularly uh, in my hometown of Lexington, Kentucky. So my parents opened a restaurant in 2017, and it hires people in recovery from substance use disorders. So through that restaurant, I met some really incredible people. I learned some really valuable lessons, and I found some good stories to share. So I'm doing that in a form of a book that comes out next month in September. Oh, wow. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited about it. It's been a crazy journey, um, but, you know, I really think it has an important message to share, and I've, I've loved every part of the process. For sure. Now, what was the inspiration and passion behind, um, like, like why, why serve that community over just opening up a regular restaurant? Yeah, definitely. So my parents are restaurant people. They've been in the industry um, for their entire lives. They actually met in a restaurant when they were uh, very young. So um, they've loved the restaurant industry their entire life. But what they noticed is that it's an industry that bred partying. And they recognized that from an early age. And my parents got caught up in it. Um, so when my dad was in his very early 20s, he actually realized that he was an alcoholic. And he went through recovery with my mom by his side. And um, the journey to sobriety is not something that is a solo journey. So my mom was very much involved in that, very much a part of uh, my dad's support system. And it really marked their early marriage. It was, you know, it transformed what their relationship looked like. And it was the biggest or one of the biggest battles they've ever, you know, overcame. Um, and so fast forward a few decades, my dad has been sober. Um, and he and my mom were still in the restaurant industry, still owning their own restaurants, and um, they kind of created their own concept. And they realized that this industry still had a lot of partying as it had when they were younger. But now with the opioid epidemic, things were looking different, and they lost 13 employees to overdoses. Um and so they realized they had a problem. They drew on their past experience with my dad going through recovery, and they decided to try and be a part of the solution. So they opened Deviate Kitchen to employ 100% of people that are in recovery from drug and alcohol addiction. Well, that's very interesting. Um, now, you said growing up, you know, TV and news and all that was your uh, passion. Yeah. Now, what part of that did you like? Like, what, what excites you about it? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, it kind of all started when I was in seventh grade. So I was on my middle school speech team and there was a category called radio broadcasting. And as soon as I did it, I was hooked. I loved it. Um, and so basically I would work to create this script. I was running on a tight deadline and then I would present all these news stories to a panel of judges. And I just thought that was so fun. I liked the kind of pressure from the clock ticking down. Um, and I just enjoyed it. And I also have always loved English and reading and writing. That was always my favorite uh, class growing up. And so uh, 
I, kind of a core of that uh, is also storytelling. And I love talking to people. I love hearing different perspectives and different, um, you know, ways of viewing the world. And I love being able to convey those perspectives and the messages that I hear um, to other people. So combine all of that. And I very quickly realized that maybe journalism was the best path for me. And so I've basically been working toward that goal since middle school. So I ended up uh, touring colleges that would, uh, you know, help me grow as a journalist where I could study that and really kind of refine my skill. And so that led me to the University of Georgia. Uh, I never thought I would go that far south, but oh my goodness, it was the best decision I've ever made. I loved my time there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really just been a years long kind of journey getting to where I am, but I've loved every part of it. Which is awesome. Now for clarity, what are, exactly are you doing today? Yes. So today I'm in South Carolina and I am a TV news reporter for WLTX News 19. So it's a local station in Columbia, South Carolina. So in a way, it's a dream come true. Absolutely. Yeah. I was talking to my coworker the other day and we were talking about, oh, you know, what we wanted to be when we grew up. And I was like, honestly, this like it's so surreal, but I really am doing what I always wanted to. For sure. I love this. I absolutely love it, right? Because we always talk about dreams, but how many people actually chase them and actually do what it takes to get it? Yeah, absolutely. And I absolutely could not have done it without the support system I've had. And a, a big part of that support system is my parents. Um, so, you know, I really am just grateful for the opportunity to pursue this. For sure. Now, going back to the whole restaurant thing of what they do and stuff, yeah. like, listening to you, it sounds like it touches you in an emotional, like passionate way as well. Yeah, absolutely. So what's really interesting is, so my parents opened this business, right? They created this concept from scratch and they worked and they fought and they argued and they, you know, they came together and they created this idea and then eventually transformed it into a reality. And it was them, uh, my mom and my dad leading that charge and really, uh, you know, doing it, making it happen. And so I joke with my brother, he's a little bit younger than I am, but uh, when your parents open a restaurant, it quickly becomes a family affair. And so my brother and I became, you know, everything from the construction workers to the business consultants to the social media managers and, you know, everything in between. So we really got to work as a family. We got to invest in this business all together. Um, and I spent a lot of time at the restaurant and a lot of time meeting people. And it's interesting because I think this passion for recovery and for, you know, advocating for these people is something that my parents really had. But over time, spending time at Deviate and learning from the people that worked there, uh, the passion really kind of transferred to me. Um, you know, I think that we have a really big issue on our hands, and that's the opioid epidemic and addiction, and it's not getting better. Um, and so I think every single one of us can do something to help. And, uh, so I'm just trying to figure out the way I can do that. Right. That makes sense. I get that part. And now how does that interact with your uh, journalism? Yeah. So I think that what I'm doing gives me a really great opportunity to explore the communities that I'm a part of. So I ended up moving from Kentucky to Georgia and, you know, Kentucky, I was so familiar with the recovery community there because of my parents' restaurant. And I knew what it looked like. I knew who the key players were. I, I, I understood the landscape. But when I moved to Georgia, I had no idea what it looked like. And I was able, because I was a journalist, to really get into these communities, really explore them. I was able 
able to ask questions and to see what was happening. And for some of my journalism classes when I was in school, I got the chance to report on these communities and shed light to what they were doing and how they were affected by the COVID-19 pandemic since uh, that happened when I was in college. So um, it, I think it it really just gave me an opportunity to dive into the communities and get to know them and learn about them. And I really appreciated that. And then now being here in South Carolina, I'm getting the chance to do the same. So I haven't been here for long, um, but I'm definitely trying to learn about what those communities look like here and shine light on them because I think people in uh, recovery who work in the field are really doing important work that I think should be uh, shared. And, you know, I think a light should be shined on it. Which brings up my question here, right? Like, because obviously there's a myth that when you're on TV and you're in general in journalism and on TV reporting the news and all that, that you have an agenda to follow. Yeah. Um, now that's why what I want to get clear. Like, how do you get your stories in? Like, is there a real agenda where you're told what to say and what you can and can't do, or really do you have the freedom to express your creativity creativity that way? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, especially in local TV. So I'm what's called technically an MMJ or a multimedia journalist. So uh, we are a type of one man band, you could say. So we find the stories, we pitch the stories to our news team, uh, we film the stories, conduct the interviews, edit the package, and then eventually put it online and you know make this online uh, article. So we really have our hand in everything. So we absolutely have the opportunity to, you know, tell the stories, get to know the people we're interviewing and tell the stories accurately and responsibly. Um, and that is definitely something that I think as, you know, as journalists, we take seriously. Now, it does get a little bit different the bigger of a city you get into and the bigger, uh, I guess, news that you're reporting. So national news works a little differently. But, you know, the, it's no secret. The media is uh, a little bit under fire now. And I understand that. And it's a, it's a hard time. Um, but I do think that it's raised important issues of, you know, we really need to, as journalists, be taking a look at ourselves, at our reporting, at our biases, because we're only human and we all have, you know, perspectives that we're using to view the world. And that's a great thing. Um, but I think it's also important just to examine how we view things and how that might affect our storytelling. Um, so I just think it's a good reminder. I think it's a good time for everyone to kind of look at themselves and look at what they're doing and make sure they're doing it in the most accurate, responsible way possible. Right. Which makes sense. Um, now, my question is, has there ever been a time where you were pitching a story, but there's a certain point of the story that you thought was very important, but you were edited or told not to do that? And that has never, never happened to me, which I'm really thankful for. I have a you know great management, um, and I really, truly think that everyone here, everyone in college when I was reporting any um, you know place I've interned or media uh, that I've worked for, I really, truly think people wanted to explore the story and tell it in a way that really reflected what was happening and what was going on. Um, so thankfully, I've never seen any type of agenda pushing. And I think that's normal. Um, I think, unfortunately, that the agenda pushing we see, uh, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, there's one story about it or, or one thing is revealed. And then I think that gets kind of transferred onto other organizations or other journalists. And people assume that, you know, if this one station or this one network or whatever it may be made a mistake, oh, all, you know, all stations must do that but really that's i mean that's not true so i've been really thankful to never have to deal with that okay that, that's good so it's very authentic in, in other words so which is absolutely. great yeah now, absolutely. now with every single journey that people go through in life we always have a moment of um 
what's the word I want to say? Like a moment of difficulty and then moments of triumph. So through this journey, what was your biggest hurdle and how did you get past it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if we're talking about the journey of book writing, uh, I would say the biggest uh, kind of challenge would have been, so I started this book in August and I was a senior in college. And so uh, it's getting ready to come out next month in September. So it's been, uh, it's crazy to see the progress I've made in less than a year. I mean, going from having this idea for a book and then really making it happen and it about to come out. It's, it's been a wild ride. Um, I would say the biggest challenge has just been finding the time and learning, um, you know, how to prioritize everything going on because with finishing my senior year, graduating and then starting a new job, there's been a lot of different things to do. Um, so I've certainly been busy, but it's been really rewarding. I think it's taught me some really good lessons about, you know, time management and, um, Ultimately, I mean, this is something I really wanted to do. And so I figure, you know, there's never going to be a perfect time. Why don't we just go ahead and make it happen? And I'm really glad I did. So that's been the biggest challenge, but it's also been really rewarding. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, we also have in our careers and any part of our careers, we all have a moment where, uh, you know, it goes back to self-doubt wondering if we made the right choice, made the wrong choice, we would have yeah. done things differently. But then you have that moment, which I call that aha moment, which mm -hmm. is like all of a sudden something happens and then you just think to yourself, hmm, you know, and it's like, aha, I, you know, I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. This is it. I'm on the right path. Maybe I have to make a few changes and may, you know, and just curb how I get there, but I'm doing the right thing. Have you had that aha moment yet? Absolutely. Um, and I think I will continue to keep having those moments. Um, I think it can be really hard in any career and whatever you're doing uh, to kind of lose sight of maybe why you're doing it or why you started it in the first place. Um, and thankfully, I mean, like I said, since middle school, I've always known this is what I want to do. So I've never doubted that. I've never doubted that, you know, this is what I'm supposed to be doing and, you know, what kind of the path that I think is best for me and that I, I should be going down on. Um, so I've been fortunate in that regard. However, I will say, I mean, there have certainly been hard moments and more so moments of, you know, oh my goodness, can I do this? And that is both career and my book writing process. I mean, in both times, in both journeys, there have been multiple moments where I've sat down and, you know, kind of been like, what am I doing? I mean, what did I get myself into? Is, is this really, you know, right? And, what I think I'm really fortunate about is that I, as I mentioned earlier, love talking to people and I love building relationships and I love hearing and learning from people. Um, and I think most of my aha moments have been um, from kind of an outside source. So when it comes to journalism, when I tell a story about someone in the community and what they're doing um, and kind of shed light on something, I'm able to get feedback from them. And I think that is the absolute coolest part is to see that impact that reporting um, can do for, for people. And so I think sometimes when it gets hard, uh, you know, it can I think what's really cool is that I've, you know, heard from people who, you know, text me after your story airs or whatever it may be and, you know, tell me about the response they've gotten or how it's impacted them. And I mean, that is the absolute coolest thing. Um, and then same thing with my book is it shares a, a lot of stories. So I talked to a lot of people. I interviewed them about their experience with addiction. Um and, you know, that's tough. It can be really hard to sit down with someone for an hour and a half and hear, um, you know, 
their the nitty gritty details of their life and, you know, really hard things that happen to them. Um, so that got hard. And I definitely had moments of, you know, oh, my goodness, what am I doing? But after the calls would finish and hearing them, um, you know, tell me that it just felt so good to get it off their chest to talk about it, to open up. And then when I would send everyone, I interviewed their chapter when it was kind of in a rough draft form, but I'd finished, uh, you know, mainly uh, what I was writing about them and then hearing their feedback and hearing how they, uh, you know, enjoyed reading it and how, you know, they felt like I accurately represented them in their story. It's It was moments like that. And I think there will be many more in the future where it's like, okay, I mean, I'm, I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but that's just the confirmation I need to keep going. Right. Now we have something in common here and yeah. it's a little bit different. I mean, you like talking to people uh-huh. and I just like talking. <laughs> just hey, that's okay. They're, they're one and the same sometimes. <laughs> um, on a serious note, now going with all the stories that you're getting from everybody in the book, yeah. what was the mo- what was the hardest story to hear? And like, what was that about? Like, if you don't mind sharing it. Absolutely. Um, the hardest story to hear. So One thing that I think is really great is my book has a wide range of emotions. So the main focus of the book is the hope and the redemption and the inspiration that comes from people um, and their journey toward recovery. Um, So there's a lot of really happy, really great moments. Now, with that, there are certainly moments of devastation and of heartbreak because addiction is messy and it does. I mean, it ruins lives. It really does. So there are certainly some hard moments in there. Um, I would say the hardest is definitely the story that I tell of one of, uh, you know, it's a man who worked at Deviate and he was incredible and my entire family loved him. He would go to church with us. He would go to dinners with us. um, And we really formed this beautiful bond and relationship with him. And he was a rock star um, in the restaurant. Every guest loved him. I mean, he was just an all around great person. Um, and he was doing really, really well. Um, and unfortunately he did end up relapsing, um, which is not uncommon. That is a part of recovery and, uh, you know, recovery is not a linear, uh, journey. Uh, there are definitely struggles and and it can be hard for people and relapse is a part of a lot of people's story. Uh, but unfortunately he did overdose and he passed away. So that in itself was this, you know, pretty heavy moment for, I think, my entire family. Uh, We all felt it differently since we were so close to him. But for this story, I knew that I wanted to include the perspective from his mom. So I spoke with her about her son and about what it was like to lose a child, which is, you know, one of the most unimaginable things I think any one of us could think about. Um, And so talking to her and hearing her talk about it and just open up to me was it was hard. It was really, really hard. But I think it's a perspective that is so needed. And I appreciate her vulnerability in, in letting me include that in my book. Yeah, that I can, I, you know, it's something I can't even imagine. I mean, it's just not supposed to happen that way. Yeah, it never is. And um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's unimaginable, but it it is happening. And that's because we have this huge problem. I mean, parents are burying their children every single day. Um, for a variety of different reasons, but a big one of them is overdoses. And if we don't start talking about it and really, really start taking a look at it, uh, more and more moms and dads are going to have to bury their kids. Yeah. I mean, it's sickening if you think about it, but absolutely. Wow. Right. Like 
yeah, like I, I just I have no words. I mean, like I, I can't even fathom how this happens. Yeah. And, but you know, hey, like you said, we just got to do something about it rather than harping about it. Exactly. So, with that being said, now, what does your typical day consist of? Like, go through your, your, you know, your schedule of how you typically run your week day by day. Yeah. So, how I run my week is I wake up and uh, I get up around eight a.m. and then I go into the station after I get ready and I pitch a story at our nine a.m. meeting, uh, or so sorry, nine thirty a.m. meeting. So that lasts for about an hour. Uh, all of the reporters kind of share uh, the stories that they have lined up for the day. And so I set up two. I have two that are ready to roll. And then we all kind of talk about it. We collaborate and we figure out what is going to be the best assignment for today. Uh, so I work on that. And that means I go out to my interviews. I conduct the interviews. I film what's called B-roll. So basically just the visuals that you see excuse me, when a story airs. Um, and then I come back and, or I stay out in the field, either or whatever I have time for. And I write a script. I uh, send that script to a few people, get some feedback on it, make sure that all looks good and we're all able to keep each other accountable. And I think that's really important. Um, and so then I use that script to edit the package. So that's going in, uh, putting the voice over in. So me telling the story, it's putting the interview clips in and all the other uh, video clips called B-roll. And so I edit that all together. I submit it, get it ready for the show. Um, and then I take all that information and I write a web article. So whatever you would see on the website of, you know, the news station is something that I write and I'm able to include a few more details, kind of uh, have it supplement the video that will eventually be posted to it. And then I send that to our awesome digital team. They review it. They check it over. Again, there's a lot of checks throughout the day. Um, so it's very collaborative. Um, and then I am done for the day at work. So I head home. A lot of times I'll then look for a story for the next day, kind of comb through social media or see what events are happening. Uh, and then I spend the rest of the night, uh, for the most part, working on my book. So I'm currently in the marketing phase and just trying to get the word out and getting prepared for it to launch next month. Uh, so I work on that and usually try and hit the gym if I can, make some dinner, and then it's time to go to sleep and start all over again. Fascinating. Now, in terms of the book, where is it going to be uh, released? Is it like, are you going to have your own website? Is it going to be on Amazon? Is it going to be on Indigo or all of the above? <laughs> yeah, all of the above. It's going to be wherever you can buy a book, but certainly the easiest way will probably be on Amazon. So um, in September, it's going to be released in ebook and uh, paperback format. Then a couple months later, it'll be released as a hardcover. And then eventually it will be released as an audiobook. And I'm really excited because I'll get to record that myself. Um, but yeah, so it'll be available everywhere in bookstores also, but the easiest way to get it will be on Amazon. Fantastic. And do you have a title for the book already or are you still working on that part? Yes, I do. It's called Deviate from Denial, Erasing the Stigma of Addiction and Recovery Through Inspirational Stories. So it's a long tagline there, um, but Deviate from Denial is the main uh, title. I love that actually. Thank you. I think it was, you know, I started out with a tagline that was a little bit shorter. And then I was like, you know, no, if people pick this up on the bookstore shelf or if they're scrolling through Amazon and they see it, I want them to know exactly what the book is, what its message is and, you know, what they would get from it. So that's why I went with the longer tagline. Yeah, makes sense. Absolutely. Makes sense. I loved it. So with that being said, and now going back to your whole day pro like you know how your day is structured and you come up yeah. with your stories and stuff. And I, and I love the B-roll thing and I've done that myself before. Yeah. And, but I'm not very good with scripts myself. 
Yeah. Like, I mean, look, look, even this whole interview, I don't have any notes. I don't have any paperwork. No, you're doing great. Yeah. And in fact, I'll be honest. I mean, I've, uh, I do roughly about eight to nine podcasts a week. And with that being said, I have zero notes for any of them. And sometimes if I book, like if we had booked our, uh, our podcast recording like two weeks in advance, Mm -hmm. I'd be talking to you and I don't even, I wouldn't know anything about you. I would have forgotten. Yeah. But I just, I'm natural. And the, and the reason I work, like for me, what I, I work with, because I have a curious nature. This is what I'm trying to say. I'm very curious by nature right. and I'm always inquisitive. And with that being said, if I know something, I forget that the people watching or listening did not hear it. And I'm the only one who heard it. So yeah. I'll discard whatever I've heard and I won't go back to it. So I'll miss yeah. half the interview based on that. So I like doing it on improv like this because then I get pleasantly surprised and then I get my, my curious nature gets the questions. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Well, and I think it makes the conversation flow very naturally. And I think that's a good way to think about it is, you know, you don't want to have all this background knowledge that you're drawing on and not communicating to viewers or, yeah. um, or whoever's watching. So, yeah. Yeah. So where I was going with this with, you know, with B-roll and you're scripted. How do you go through the script? Like, the, do you ever find that challenging? Like, sometimes I find when I'm trying to read, and if I'm doing it on video, my eyes are not on the camera. It's like this. Yeah. You know, like, so it's. Yeah, no, that's a good question. So the way it works is I go out and I film the interviews and I film the, the, the B-roll and then I come back to the station. I kind of think about everything I learned, everything I saw, and then I write the script. Um, and so I think the hardest part of that is trying to condense everything I've learned into about a minute and 30 seconds. Um, so they're really short stories and it might not feel like it when you're watching TV, but uh, when you're watching the news, but those stories are really, really short. And that's the beauty of the online web articles. We're able to include some of the details that maybe we didn't get a chance to in the story that airs. Um, that's certainly the hardest part as far as actually coming up with the script. Um, you know, I, we, what we kind of talked about as far as, you know, not wanting to leave out information that you've learned, but maybe viewers don't know. What I think is really cool is that I'm able to do something different every single day. So every single day I'm learning about a new subject. I'm meeting new people. I'm covering a new thing. And so I am researching the story ahead of time and coming into it, knowing what I need to know. But I also think I have a perspective that a lot of viewers have in the sense of like, hey, I, you know, I don't know what we're going to be doing today. I don't know what it's going to look like. And so I'm really there to learn also. And then whatever I learn, I'm able to communicate in that day's story. So I do definitely try and think about that. Um, writing a script can be challenging, but I think the biggest part that makes it challenging is just, uh, you know, making it short enough to fit into the allotted time. Right. Yeah. I, and that's the thing I find myself as well with in terms of timelines right like i'm either running out of time and i have more to say mm-hmm. or i've said everything i wanted to say and the video is longer right so it's like oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no exactly time management and figuring out timing is a key part of the job and i i think it's it's a challenge um but it's definitely something i'm working on yeah like and i'm obviously the more you do it the better you get at it right right like, I remember the first podcast I did. Oh, dear God. I had planned to do it for 45 minutes. And I was going. And I got to the 10-minute mark. And it felt like a mission. And, <laughs> right? And I'm sitting there going, what do I do now? Really? And I yeah. kept going. Now, eventually, I caught my wind. But it, it took a lot of effort. It was really hard. 
Um, now I've got the gift of gab. And sometimes I say, we're not going to talk for more than 30 minutes. An hour and a half later, still going, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> so, exactly. but yeah, it definitely comes with practice. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that's cool to see, you know, how you can see yourself having grown throughout it. So that's awesome. True. Well, like I said, I'm very self-aware and I wasn't always, but I'm more as I get older. That's great. So that now what I want to ask you here is that um, what, what do you see yourself like, where do you see yourself going in the future? Like, what, what's the objective? What's the plan? And yeah, honestly, um, I don't have a super set plan. So the plan has always been to get here to get what I'm uh, to what I'm doing today. And so now that I'm here, I'm just, you know, savoring it, just enjoying it and really trying to dive into this community that I'm a part of. So I moved here to Columbia, South Carolina just a few weeks ago, and I'm really just spending my time trying to get to know the community, get to know the people that live here. Um, so that way I can, you know, tell stories. Um, so I'm loving it. I am definitely, you know, happy here, wanting to stay here. Um, and so as far as what the future holds, I'm really not sure, but I hope that whatever it is, uh, I'm able to do the same thing, able to tell stories and get involved in the community that I'm living in. Fantastic. I mean, I love it. Now, I always like to, um, my last question I'm going to ask you before we go into what I call a lightning round, yeah. which is just a couple of fun questions, is how do you know you've had a successful day? Yeah. Um, wow. That's a good question. And it's one that I don't think is necessarily easy to answer. I think probably, um, I mean, having a successful day, I feel like if I get home and I rewatch the, the story that I did for the day and, uh, I think that's when I really feel like I've had a successful day when I can look at it and I can know that I did my best work, that I told the story the best way I knew how I included all the voices I could have. And then um, a lot of times I'll get feedback from the people that I interviewed. And um, I've been really thankful that all the feedback I've gotten has been really, really positive. I think people are really happy um, to share their stories with me and have me be able to then convey that to, you know, our viewers. So that is the mark of a successful day is just hearing from the people I've talked to um, and hearing that they're, you know, happy with the the story that came out um, and that they saw. So that is definitely the sign of a successful day to me. That's awesome. Now to get into the lightning round, which yeah. is a little bit of fun. It's just fun questions, personal questions, not too personal, but yeah, you know, exciting things. Like my first question is going to be, what would be your favorite food? Oh, honestly, steak and Brussels sprouts. <laughs> Ooh, I love that. Yes. Yeah, like that. That's a great combination. I'm not used to hearing it with Brussels sprouts, which is still really good. Yeah, absolutely. That's but. been my, I feel like I found Brussels sprouts like three years ago, learned how to cook them really well, and I'm just hooked. I mean, they're, when you get them crispy, oh, they're so good. Yeah. So you like cooking at home? I do. I love cooking at home and having two parents that are in the restaurant industry for as long as they can remember definitely helps. So, um, you know, they're always cooking up fun things. My dad is awesome with flavor combinations and my mom's a great baker. So definitely grew up with a lot of cooking going on in the household. All right. Okay. Which I'm going to lead up to the next question on this yeah. one. What has been your most difficult plate to make? Oh my goodness. I don't even know. I, I could not even tell you. I would say growing up, um, I would make... I challenge myself with different recipes for different school projects from different cultures. Um, that was something I did like once a year. And I think that was just interesting because I was cooking with maybe spices or with foods or, uh, you know, just techniques that maybe I wasn't used to. I can't think of it single example. Um, but that was probably the most challenging just because it was different than what I normally cook, but it was always really fun to learn something new. Makes sense. 
Favorite vacation spot and why? Oh, Honestly, I would say Asheville, North Carolina. I grew up going to camp there and absolutely love it. I love the city. I think it's fun. I love the hiking and the mountains. It's beautiful there. Um, and it reminds me of just growing up. Uh, so it's very nostalgic and I love it. Right. So you're an outdoorsy person. I am. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love hiking. Um, so I definitely try and get outside when I can. Fantastic. Favorite book? Oh, man, that is a good question. I really like Jane Eyre. That's a classic from high school is when I read it. And um, I couldn't put it down. And so I kind of returned to that one. I don't know, something about the way that it's told and the, the story. It just, it really gets me. I think it's so interesting. And it's a classic. Awesome. I mean, I've never read it myself, but that's awesome. Yeah. Now, favorite podcast? Oh, man. You know, right now, I don't know if it's my favorite. I think my favorite changes every week. But right now, I'm listening to the Murdoch murders. So okay. that is something that happened here in South Carolina. And I'm trying to get to know it. Uh, and so what better way than to hear it from a podcast? And man, it's I mean, it's crazy. And it's told from the perspective of a journalist. So I appreciate that. Uh, so you can relate it that way. Yes. Yeah. Favorite TV show? Uh, Criminal Minds is probably what I'd say. That was That's my family's one. quarantine show. We watched it when COVID happened and we were all living at home together. So <laughs> yeah, it, that's a good one. I like it. Now, pretend the scenario where you had unlimited money and money just kept flowing in and you didn't have to do anything to get it. You just had to wake up. Yeah. What would your day look like if that was the scenario? Yeah. I mean, honestly, maybe it's naive to say, but I hope I'd be doing something similar to what I'm doing now. Um, and that's because I really love what I, I'm doing. I really, really do. Uh, and I am so grateful for the opportunity to be able to pursue this, what I've always wanted to do. So um, I don't know if it'd look maybe exactly the same. Maybe I'd do it with a little less frequency and focus on, you know, volunteering or visiting home a little bit more or something like that. Um, but I certainly still think I'd be doing something really similar to what I'm doing now. Which is amazing. Now, Last question is, where do people find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Sam Perez News. And my website is sam-perez.com. Awesome. I want to say thank you so much for being on the show. Awesome, John. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been a great conversation, and I really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. It's been a total delight. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, and you have a great uh, weekend ahead. You as well. Awesome. Thank you. If you like what you've seen and you want to see more, subscribe to the link below.